Grateful to be in the house of God today, grateful to jump into what he would have us say today. And um, it's interesting for us as a church, uh, we plan our series uh, really well in advance, and we believe God kind of ordains that and lines that up. And and then we're like, yeah, God's in it, and he, he's kind of set our structure for the year. And then when things fall into place, we're like surprised by it. Wow, can you believe this series is right here in March? Like, yeah, well, we believe that God set it all up, you know? There's no coincidences with God. And so we knew we'd be in this series called Unshakable Faith. We didn't realize that, of course, Russia would be uh, invading Ukraine and all of the things that we're seeing. And so I know that this is a word for all of us. Can I get an amen today? And uh, so before we jump into it, let's pray and ask God to speak to us through it. So God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word and your way. And Lord, we ask that you help us hear you today. Lord, remove all the distractions and hindrances and things that might creep up to to hold us from hearing what you would have us say. God, I pray that you speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's funny with this graphic, you know, for being honest, um, you know, we're all in a really interesting place. I don't know if if it's, you know, just me, and I know it's not just me because I talk to a lot of people. And, uh, you know, we, we first go, wow, 2020 was crazy. And then Many of us go, well, actually, for me, 2021 was even crazier. And then here we are in 2022, and, and now, like in your soul, you're starting to go, something's not right. You're starting to get a little, little uneasy, a little unsettled. And, and, and in your soul, like probably to yourself, you're asking this big, deep question of what is going on? You know, now any Christian who reads the Bible and maybe spends some time understanding what the end times might look like and in the book of Revelation and, and as things come together, and we're not going to get into all that today, but, but anybody who has a little bit of knowledge of that, you can start to go, hey, things are looking like we might actually be coming toward what, what God has called, what the scripture tells us might be the end times. And so for that, that, that brings another level of maybe, maybe heaviness, heaviness to you. And uh, we've gone through all sorts of different things. But I think when I talk to people, there are these feelings deep in us of like, hey, something is off. Hey, something is, is going on. Like, I can't put my finger on it. So, like, should I stop doing this? Should I start doing that? Should I care not so much about that? Should I care more about that? We all have this like, can't put our finger on it deep in our soul. And there's only one remedy for that. There's only one solution. There's only one uh, just, just, just healing that comes to that. And I believe that it's this. It's the presence of God. You know, there's not going to be any like, oh, we figured it out. Many of you might say, oh, I thought by now we'd have this fixed or that fixed. And, and I'm not even talking politically. I'm just talking our climate and, and all the things we see, the things we face in school, the things you hear about online. I mean, it would take me a half a second to put up just a few articles that happened just this week, and we would say, oh, that's not just bad behavior, that's evil happening. And so we're all going like, oh, what's going on with all of this? And, and I'm just here to tell you, it's not going to be solved by government, it's not going to be signed by having, uh, solved by enough bank money in your account, it's not going to be solved by having the right friends and the right neighborhood and the right thing. The only thing that's going to bring you true peace and true uh, rest and true uh, fruit in your life is going to be if we learn to be a people who live in the presence of God. Almighty God. If we take a look at this, I mean, we could, we could say, oh, look at that mask. And, and, and some people would, right away, you have feelings about that, one way or another. Uh, maybe you see the news article there, and, and, I, and I use the word news, and part of you on the inside already goes like, oh, news, and you have feelings about that. Or right here, a government building, government officials, government leaders. That actually brings you lots of joy and peace and comfort, right? Like that actually is one, <laughs> no, 
We have all of these different things in our life that, that we're uncertain about. But I'm just here to tell you today, unshakable faith is a faith that you can stand strong because you can stand strong in the presence of Almighty God. We can, uh, we can be in this presence, this fulfilling presence of God, which we're going to talk about today. We're talking about unshakable faith for the next few weeks. Why? Because it's possible in the hour that we're living in to get shook, to be shook. But this video, the, the bumper that we have in here has this tagline that says, you know what separates us from the world? What separates a Christian from the world is that we have this thing called faith. Aren't you grateful that you can still believe and have hope even when you can't see it? We get to walk in faith. Can I get an amen today? So we got all these feelings of what should I do? I talk to people and I say, man, things are so weird. You know, my thought life is crazy right now. And, and uh, I'm having all these crazy dreams. And I can't, you know, stop having all these weird dreams. Or uh, I can't sleep. You know, even the sleeping pills aren't helping me. You know, what, what, what's going on? And I believe that, that we are in just a spiritual battle. We're in these spiritual times. And so we need to took a, take a look at what is this remedy. When we feel like if it's the end and the enemy is throwing everything at us right now, where are we called to stand? What are we called to do? And I believe it's this. It's we're called to stand in the presence of God. Amen. So I wrote it down like this. You can write it down. We have something that solves every issue. The remedy is the presence of God. Everything is found in the presence of God. The word presence here means this. It's the state or fact of existing or occurring. I'm here to tell you today that God's presence in your life, God in your life, should be existing and occurring. If you want peace, if you want fruit, if you want uh, God's hand on your life, you've got to be a person who makes sure that God's presence is existing and occurring in your life on a daily basis. Can I get an amen? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, New Living Translation says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. To have that, that core need met in your life. How, how do you do that? Again, it's not right neighborhood. It's not right education. It's not all the right thing. It's if you're a person who seeks and pursues the presence of God in your life. Then everything else gets added unto you. Your solutions are found when we're a presence of God people. I love Pastor Lee Cummings' quote in his book called Be Radiant. Uh, he says this, birds are made for the air. Fish are made for the sea, and he says that mankind is made for the presence of God. Birds exist in the air, and fish exist in the water, and mankind, God's people, are created to be in his presence, in his fullness of joy, in his full power uh, is what we're created to be in. That's why in the beginning, Genesis, the way God created it to be, what did we see? We saw Adam and Eve dwelling in what? The presence of God. Because everything else that you need is added unto you when we're presence first people. That's why John chapter 15, 4 says it this way. Abide in me and I in you. So God is saying be presence people with me. Be connected in me. And then it says as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. It says neither can you unless you abide in me. We cannot live and function and walk in the fullness that God has for us unless we're a people who abide in the presence of Almighty God. Where we say, God, you're my pursuit above all else. I seek you first in all things, in all ways. Are you with me? But the temptation in the world that we live in right now is, hey, seek this and do this and buy this and be distracted by this. Why do you think the enemy is so set out to distract you? 
notifications and devices and alerts and all these kind of things. The, the, the more that we sort of live in life, the more things you hook up. And the more things you hook up, the more notifications you get. So our thermostat literally tells you, did you know your house is now this? Oh, it's gotten colder outside. You should turn the heat up and turn the heat down. All these kind of things. Like, everybody stop talking to me. Why is the enemy trying to do that to us in this hour? Because he's trying to distract you. Because if you're distracted, you won't seek God. If you don't seek God, then you don't live in a place of his presence. And in his presence is everything you need. It's the remedy for all of it. And so he says, you can't be what you're called to be unless you abide in him. Verse five, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For or but without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch is and withered and they gather and throw it into the fire and are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. What is this scripture trying to tell you? The way that you find fruit and success and effectiveness in the kingdom of God is if you're somebody who lives in the presence of God. We can't leave the presence of God just right here on Sunday. We can't just leave it when we come to study and we experience God. We have got to be a people who on a daily basis seek his presence because that's where everything is found. Can I get an amen today? So I picked three stories today where I see that we see the message of God, where he's saying, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And if you follow me, if you're presence driven, You'll see how God abides in it. So three things we'll look at real quick. And I just want to say to anybody, teenagers, watching online, teenagers in the room, if you can get this figured out, it'll be the smartest thing and the, and the most beneficial thing you've ever put together in your life. You say, well, no, I want, I want to make sure I run with the right crowd and I want to make sure I have good friends and I make sure I experience high school. And, and young people you say, oh, I want to make sure I experience all of college. And you have all these things that the world tells you try to do and you put your focus on it. I want to make sure I have the right girl and I make sure we do all, the, all these things. We have all this stuff. No, no, no. If you can be a person who sets out to crave and desire and seek and pursue the presence of God, everything else that you need will be added unto you. Presence-driven people, teenagers, if you can get it now, it saves you. Saves you a heartache, saves you disappointment, saves you, saves you getting thrown off course because you've made the wrong decision because the world said, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You can do a little bit of that and do a little bit of this. You need to have some fun. You need to experience some things. All you need to experience is the presence of God and everything else will be added unto you. So listen to that still small voice that says, don't go that way. Don't go that way. Go this way and, and, and follow that way into his presence. Can I get an Amen. So three stories we're going to look at real quick. I'm going to just set up the backstory here of the prophet Elijah. The prophet of Elijah is Elisha is actually somebody uh, who, who would foretell things that God has spoke to him. He's a prophet, so he's a seer. He can say things. And so he's working with the king of this time, and there's an enemy that's rising up against the Israelites. And so what Elisha would do is he would hear from God about what the enemy's plan was going to be, and he would go to the king, and he would be like, hey, uh, they're, they're trying to go with this plan like this be prepared. And so the, the God's people would be prepared. And so the enemy would, uh, of course, mess up and, and, and not be successful. And so this happened a few times where Elisha was giving word of what it would look like. And then the bad guys, the enemy, 
found out that it was Elisha who was now doing this. They're like, oh, this is the guy that we have to go after. He's the one who's telling the king our plans uh, through God. And so they said, we got to take this guy out if we want success. And so the scripture says in 2 Kings chapter 6, we'll read it here in a minute, but there's this unnamed guy. Some call him a servant. He was really more of like a best friend to Elisha. And he's walking with him, but uh, he's protecting him. He's working with him. But then all of a sudden, you know, these bad guys are now coming for Elisha and for his best buddy. So we'll pick it up here. Second Kings 6, the servant, his best buddy. When the servant, the man of God, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city or surrounded them. This guy's response, oh no. <laughs> he said, oh no. Now, if you're a TikToker, it's, oh no, oh no. You guys know that one? Oh no, no, no. Okay, you don't? Okay. That's just like an age test. I wrote it down. I know who gets it and I know who don't. Get. Daniel said I didn't sing that very good, but I think I nailed it. He, he, first service, it was, you know. No, what key? What does that mean? I don't. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, dude, good guy, good guy, servant guy, looks out and goes, oh, no. And he says to Elisha, what shall we do? He's in this unrest place that we might find. It's like, man, I'm just a guy who's trying to do my best. I'm trying to help this prophet. I'm just trying to serve the Lord. I'm trying to better the community. I'm just trying to be obedient. I'm, I'm doing my one year in a Bible plan. You know, I'm just trying to do all the things I should. And now all of a sudden, everybody's after me and, and they've surrounded me. You understand what I'm talking about? And so he's got this unrest of like, oh no, oh no, what, what do we do here? He's naturally looked out and saw, oh man, I got a whole bunch of problems in front of my face. And what I love about Elisha is he says this, verse 16, don't be afraid. He says, those who are with us are more than who are with them. So he says, slow down. Don't throw it all away. I know you're looking up and it doesn't look good. And, and we, we don't understand how it's going to work out. And in our soul, we're just like restless about how this is going to work. He says, hey, hold on. Slow down a second. Don't throw it all, all away. Catch your breath. Don't freak out. Don't lose sleep about this. Don't, don't, walk, don't pick up and walk away from it all. And, and what he begins to do in uh, the next verse 17, it says, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. Those were angel armies. This was Elisha's response and lesson to the servant. Hey, I know that you see all of this in the natural. Let's pause. Let's close our eyes. And when we open our eyes, we're going to look at things through the presence of God. The natural world. Oh, no, look at the hills. Oh, my gosh, look at all these things. I just like, hey, hold on one second. We're going to take a look at this a little different. Close your eyes. We're going to close our eyes. We're going to look down. And when we open our eyes, we're going to see things through the presence of God. And then there was angel armies on the behalf. And what I love about this is there was two different ways that this was being seen. One, Elisha says, hey, I'm not looking at this through the natural. 
I'm looking at it through the promise of God's presence, which is he will never leave me or forsake me. Can I get an amen? And so though it may look like this, I'm going to take and close my eyes. I'm going to open back up and I'm going to see that God's promise is his presence and we're going to make it through this. And it's the same message to you today. Whenever you look to the hills and you say, oh, no, you need to just take a minute and close your eyes and say, God, I'm, I'm drawing near to you. And you said, when I seek you, everything I need will be added to me. Now, when I open these eyes, I want to see this through your presence. Can I get an amen? Presence-driven people is where we need to be. He didn't see it through his emotions, his pain, and his brokenness, and his fear. He instead saw it as God said it. What I love about this story, and this is what's really hard for us as Christians, is as soon as the servant had the oh-no moment, Oh, no, I'm going through a struggle. Oh, no, something hard is happening in my life. Oh, no, I got this fear. I got this pain. I got this thing. What he didn't do was pretend that it wasn't happening. He didn't hide out and try to act like he had it all together. The scripture says he went to the man of God and got some help about the situation. We have got to remember when we are facing oh no moments that this church and the church of God is a, a hospital. It's not a courtroom. It's not a place that you come and get judged. It's a place that you come and get help. So you don't have to come into this place and, and fake it. You're not trying to pass a scorecard. We're not judging you. This is a hospital where you get healed. And so whenever you're facing oh no moments, you ought to be rushing to Saturday morning prayer. You ought to be rushing to the prayer room into Sunday morning so that the hospital can come in and heal you. It really doesn't make sense that we come here and pretend like we have it all together. It makes no sense at all. You would never go to a hospital. All right, I'm in the emergency room and you get in there. Okay, I'm here. And they say, what's going on? Oh, nothing. I'm fine. Good. What are you doing here? It's the same thing in church. We come in and we're broken and we're hurting and we're going through something. We have oh no moments. Everybody says, well, how are you doing? I say, oh, well, I'm fine. Blessed to be a blessing. Amen, brother. And we fake our way through all this kind of stuff. We've got to be able to be honest with one another. Can I get an amen? But we have all these really spiritual smart excuses. We say things like, oh, well, I wouldn't want to burden you. So I've kept all this to myself and I didn't have somebody come alongside me and help me see things through the presence of God. The first thing we see in scripture is when Genesis, God looks down and he sees Adam alone. And the first thing that God ever says, whoa, that's not good, is when he looks down and he sees Adam is alone. And he says, that's not good. We got to make sure you get help because you're meant to do life in community. Can I get an amen? Another thing that we say is I can handle this. Oh, it's fine. I, I, I know that there's all these oh no moments in my life, but, but I can handle this. I've walked with the Lord. I'm a mature Christian. I can handle this on my own. It drives me bananas when people come to me and they say, Pastor, Pastor, I, 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 I hate to ask. I really hate to ask this, but can we get some prayer? You hate to ask. Like, it's our honor to pray for you. This is what, we, what we're here to do. Like, it should never be a burden for us to reach out to our brother and sister in time of help. Can I get an amen? It's like when you fly, you know, you're flying, and uh, they always say something like this. They say, uh, they say something like, uh, in the event of an emergency, that would never happen. Don't worry about it, <laughs> you know. But they say what? Put your oxygen mask on first. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of other people. If the purpose is the kids and everybody that you've got to help, you've got this great purpose over here. But if you're dead, you're not going to be able to help. Are you with me? And so it's the same thing. If you're hurting and you're going through something and you have oh no moments, you've got to be a people who say, hey, I need some help over here. I've got to take care of myself. We just recently got a, uh, a new workout uh, system. You see how much I'm into it. Uh, it's a system. 
And, uh, and so we got it, and we're going to use it. And by we use it, I'm going to try it a few times, and then Jess will use it the rest, like I, six times, and I'll be done. But, uh, but it's the screen that you put on the wall, and it's got all these coaches in it, and they program you. And then it's got like this magnetic resistance thing, and it's got this what they call smart select button on it. That's how you load the weight. There's like no weights. It's actually done with magnetic resistance. And so when you push the button, it's all smart and knows how much you can lift. And so you push the button and it activates and the weight is on. And uh, it was ridiculous because I was doing it this week and uh, my kids have never seen me work out. They've seen me work hard, cut down trees, move logs, do all this big stuff, but, but they've never seen me work out. Right. And so I'm, I'm working out and Charlie, my son, he's six, he comes into the workout room. Like, dad, what are you doing? He's like, all curious. Dad, what are you doing? And he was like, he's just stopping. Oh my gosh. And he was like, dad, why are you so wet? <laughs> and I was like, but it's sweat, dude. I'm working, you know, like I'm working out here. And, and so then he's like watching me for a minute. And, uh, and so like I set the thing and, and, and I start going in and he went from like, Whoa, you're sweaty to like, uh, is dad going to die? <laughs> like he literally was like a panic. Like he was like watching a murder or something, you know? And, um, but it was crazy because I'm doing this workout and I'm thinking about this sermon and the coaches, they're on there and they're talking to you and they're doing the stuff. And the thing that they repetitively said again and again to you is they said, push yourself. But they said, don't overdo it. Don't push yourself to an injury. Remember why you started this. Your start of this is to get healthy. Your start of this is to do this as a part of a lifestyle. And they were really hitting you. Don't get hurt. Make sure you don't get hurt because if you get hurt, you're going to miss out on your whole goal. And I'm here to tell you, if we push ourselves too far and we make sure that we don't get healthy, you're going to miss out on the goals and the purposes that God has for you. So if you need to reach out to somebody and say, hey, I need a little help. I don't want to overdo it. Then reach out to somebody and get that help. Can I get an amen? So at Saturday prayer or men's study or our women's study, when you're gathered at those things, let's be honest with one another so that we can be fruitful. I wrote it down like this. We are designed to fulfill the plans of God with the people of God. All the plans of God that he has for us involves people. It involves community and us working alongside one another. And so we've got to be uh, able to connect with each other. The message of the Bible is this. Cover to cover, I want you to know this. The message of the Bible is this. God loves us and he is with us. God loves you and he's with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. God loves you and he's with you. It's a message that he says again and again. Why does he say it again and again and again all throughout scripture? Because we are a people who tend to forget stuff. We're forgetful people. Uh, My wife uh, one time went and ran, uh, she went ahead of us, the family, and ran a Disney race. And so she left about three days before us, left me home by myself with the three children to bring them down to Florida all by myself later. You understand what I'm talking about? I mean, I'm not like calling her selfish, but Disney all by herself for three days. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She went down for a good reason and, and, and ran marathons and did a bunch of great things. But before she left, uh, she very lovingly said, hey, Josh, um, I'm going to get everything ready for you so that when you go down, you know, you can bring the kids and have all the things. And there was a word, a little phrase that kept happening before she left quite a bit. And it was like this, hey, Josh, um, don't forget. It's like, oh yeah, no, it's cool. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she would be like, I put this over here and got all this set up over here so that you don't forget it. And then she was like, and then this is set up here and I got this set up this so that you don't forget it. Well, one of the things that you need to do when you go to Walt Disney World is you need to wear a magic band. It's this little watch looking thing and it allows you to go on the rides and overspend on money and all these different things. And so these magic bands are really important. It's kind of like how everything works there. And so she goes, hey, 
Uh, she's like, I put the magic bands right on the dresser, just right there so that you don't forget them. It's like, okay, yeah, babe, I'm not going to forget. Okay, have fun on your trip. See ya. And uh, as soon as she left, I don't like clutter. So as soon as she left, I took those magic bands and put them out of my presence <laughs> and I put them out of the thing. So no big deal. Don't think about it again. And we get down to Florida like, oh, yeah, we're here, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so, okay, let's go do the parks. And she's like, okay, cool, get out the magic bands. I'm like, okay, cool, yeah. They're somewhere. I know I packed them. I had to have packed them. Like, you know, and so we dig through everything and I forgot the magic bands. <laughs> And the reason I forgot the magic bands, the reason I forgot the magic bands is because they were no longer in my presence. They were no longer in my presence. And so why does God say all throughout scripture, be in my presence, be in my presence, be in my presence? Because in his presence, he reminds us of the things that we forget, that he's for you and he'll never leave you. That you don't have to live according to the ways of the world. All the little things that the enemy whispers in the presence of, the God, of God, he gets to remind you that all of those things aren't true. So he's saying, be in the presence, be in my presence, be in my presence. Why? Because in his presence, it's a way of him reminding us the things that we forget. Can I get an amen? amen. One more story. Um, Joshua is struggling. Uh, the scripture says that Moses, his mentor, his leader just died. And uh, he was the man who was supposed to lead them into the promised land. And Joshua has just signed up to be the helper. He didn't sign up to be the leader. The scripture says that God comes and tells Joshua, hey, you're going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. It's going to be a big deal. You're going to actually lead them into the promised land across the Jordan River at a flood time, which, by the way, is impossible. And he's saying, yeah, you're going to be the one to do it. And Moses couldn't even do it, pull it off in 40 years. And Joshua's thinking, I'm just the helper. How am I going to be able to do this? He's also suffering with depression because for about a month, he's going through this whole time of like, what are we going to do without Moses? How's this all going to happen? God, you took us this far. But there's an amazing picture that we see in this story. We're going to read it. Joshua chapter one, verse five. It's the message of God to his people. And it's this verse five. It says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. The good days, the bad days, the ugly, all of the days, no one will be able to stand against you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So we're remembering. Don't forget, I was good to Moses. I led Moses. Don't forget. Remember, I'm the God who never leaves you. Then he says this, I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. He repeats himself, be strong and very courageous be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave to you and do not turn from it to the right or to the left and you will be successful wherever you go. Why? Because staying in the presence brings success. And it says, keep the book of the law on your lips, meditate on it day and light so that you may be careful to do everything that is written it. Then your ways will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be wherever you go. What's the message from heaven? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you because I've been there before. I'll be there again. You can be strong and courageous. Why? Because he's the God who wants to remind you that he's with you. But we've got to be in his presence. Can I get an amen? God, again, presence of God is existing and occurring. That's what presence is. God has to be existing and occurring in our life, has to be something that we seek and pursue. What I love about this story too, is as you read it on, you get the full picture of how God is with us. The, the ways that God is with us before they went over to the promised land, God was with them. He said, I'm with you before we do this thing. 
I'm with you. But then you see in Joshua chapter 3, just two chapters later, where they're actually starting to cross the river and the flood times are high. What does God tell Joshua to do? He says, hey, when you go get in the flood time, when you go get in the oh no moment, make sure you bring the Ark of the Covenant. Why? What was the Ark of the Covenant? It was the presence of God. So I'm with you before you go. And I'm with you when you're doing it. I'm with you. The presence of God is with you. And then the scripture says in in Joshua chapter four, when they get to the promised land, they're all about getting ready to say, oh, let's throw a party. Let's go, you know, feast on all this new stuff of the promised land. And God says, hold on one second. Before you go do that, I need you to go back in the river and I need you to get 12 stones and I need you to make a monument. Why are we going to make a monument? Because you guys have the tendency of forgetting And I don't want you to forget that I was with you before you went, when you went, and when you got on the other side, God is God who never leaves you or forsakes you. Can I get an amen? Because God wants us to be a people who don't forget that he's with you. Well, times look crazy and all this stuff is uncertainty. And, you know, I don't know if God notices as he's seen gas prices, uh, you know, and we're all freaked out about all the things and God's message to us. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I was there before you started. I'm there when you're in the middle and I'm going to be ahead of you. Can I get an amen? God is with us. And so he says, remember this. John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, I've told you these things so that in in me you may have peace. That restlessness, that anxiety, that, that, that stuff that we're facing. He's saying, you don't have to have that because I've overcome the world. He says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I've told you those, these things. These things that I've told you is that I've overcome the world and you can have peace. How do you have it? in me, in God's presence, in a pursuit of God. Amen? I'll close with this. We're about to read what Jesus says in kind of some of his last words to his people. Now, you got to remember, anytime uh, somebody shares something last, it's usually the most important. Whatever's the most important, you say last. So if you have a babysitter or a house sitter, you go through all the things. Oh, there's snacks in here and there's different, oh, you know, all these different things. Uh, But right before you leave, okay, now right before I leave though, just remember and you say the really important thing last. Same thing if you've ever maybe sat with somebody who's passing away. Grandparent, parent, something like that. You're, you're sitting with them. In those last moments when you know that this is the end, you're not over here talking about like movies and random things. You're sitting and you're talking about the things that really matter. Oh, hey, I know I'm going, but... And you're you're imparting these really important, foundational, fundamental things that you want to see them carry on. Well, that's what Jesus does when he gives us the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then he says, And then surely I am with you always. There's that message again of I'm with you, I'm with you. But I love the part that he adds on the end. To the very end of the age. God's with us to the very end of the age, no matter how crazy this whole thing gets. He's with you. Oh, I don't know, Pastor. They're going to cancel Christians on Facebook. Now what are we going to do? Well, since we have God who's with us to the end of the age, I think we're going to be fine. Well, what about this? They're going to take God out of schools. And we fight for all that stuff. But, But guess what? If we have none of those platforms... We have the God who has overcome the world and his promises that he's with us to the end of the age. Can I get an amen? Amen. What I love about this word here, with you, is it's the Greek word meta. Greek word meta, which kind of hate that Facebook hijacked that. But it's the Greek word meta, which means this, in company with, behind, and ahead of you. 
So when he says, I'm with you, he's speaking of being omnipresent, meaning God is with you in your past years, your present years, and your years to come. Now, I think realistically, it's easy for us to go, oh, he's with me back here. Yeah, God was with me back here because we already made it through that. And we saw his hand and we saw his deliverance and we saw the goodness on his life. And we say, oh, yeah, yeah, he is the God who is with us back here. But then in the present, I think that one's even pretty easy to say, God's with me. He's with me. He's, he's a company with me right now. He's at my side. And, and, and then sometimes we have our days where like, well, I hope he's with me. <laughs> I think he's with me. I hope he's with me. But, but even that one. But one that we don't consider, and this is where fear steps in, is that God is omnipresent, so he's also up there for you. He's also out ahead of us. And so we have this picture of like when we're facing a situation, we're like, oh man, there's that thing coming up here and, and I hope God is with me and then we got to go do that. But the reality is because he's God and he's behind and at your side and ahead of you, he's coming with you. But as you present it, he's already up there working. Not only is he with you here as you step into it, but he's already up there working it for you. He's this God who is with us. So when we say, oh, I don't know what's going to happen in five years. Oh my gosh, what kind of world are our kids going to grow up in? A good one because he's already up there. Because he's already working on our behalf. And our only responsibility is to be a people who crave and seek and pursue his presence and a life with him. Can I get an amen today? Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. Pursuing a life with him is what it's all about. There's so many things you can pursue in life, career and the right neighborhood and perfect portfolios with bank accounts and investments and all those kind of things. But the pursuit of God is the only one that matters. All those other ones are important, but they're not eternity. They're not forever. And so I'm going to present you with the opportunity right now. If you're here and you say, I haven't sought God. I haven't made Jesus Lord of my life. I haven't surrendered my life to him and made a decision to become a Christian. Maybe you've heard of it, or maybe you once were someone who followed with God. I want to give you the opportunity to pray a very important prayer. Some people call it the sinner's prayer. Some people call it the prayer of repentance or the salvation prayer. It's all of those things. It's the same thing. But most importantly, what it is, is it's you in your heart saying, God, I need you in my life. I can't do this on my own. I need a savior. The scripture says that, uh, again, Jesus' most important words as he was leaving, he said, hey, I'm leaving. I'm ascending to be with my father, but don't worry, you're not alone. I'm going to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit. It's going to help you. And that's what walking with God does. That's what being in the presence of God does is it says, all right, God, you're in control of my life. You're Lord of all. So be my helper, be my leader. And so if you're in here this morning, you say, Pastor Josh, that's me. I want to put my faith, hope, and trust in God today. I need a savior. I need a helper. I'm not going to have you raise your hand or come forward or do anything that would single you out or embarrass you, but I'm going to read to you what the sinner's prayer looks like. We find it in the book of Romans. It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart while you're declaring that, if you believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you want to be saved today, then mean it in your heart when you repeat these words. We're all going to pray the prayer together. Again, you're not going to be singled out, but Romans says if you mean it in your heart when you confess these words, that salvation is yours. So let's all this. Let's all say this. Say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and help me to walk with you all the days of my life. I believe you sent your son Jesus 
and he died and rose again for me. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all applaud them that prayed that prayer. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, I want to let you know our prayer team just down the hallway past the coffee bar, they got a book they'd love to give you for free. Just helps you with some of your next steps after praying that prayer. And um, they're not going to try to sign you up for any class or anything like that, but just a way to really help you walk with this presence-driven life. And um, it's so important. For everybody in here, I just want to say, you know, as we talk about unshakable faith the next couple weeks, we have got to get into a habit where it's presence of God first, always. Oh, you know, something happened, something's going on. Oh man, this got this bad report, I got this thing. And you go, hold on, before I'm going to call somebody and complain about it, before I'm going to gossip about it, before I'm going to get negative about it, before I'm going to do a thing, I'm going to run to the Father. And I'm going to be in His presence. Are you with me? <laughs> it's hard. We, 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 <laughs> we are living... In such a special time right now, because the harvest is plentiful, but that's a really hard thing to look at, because the harvest is a lot of work. One of the most beautiful things, I know I'm getting close on time, but one of the most beautiful things that we have going, one of the most special things we have going at our church right now is our Saturday morning prayer, but it's really hard, because while it seems like everything is going crazy right now, and everything's heavy, God is meeting us in such a special place. We're worshiping and we're praying and we're interacting and you can tangibly feel God's power and presence in the room. But what's crazy about it is that room is also full of people saying, hey, I got a cancer report. Hey, I got a cancer report too. Hey, my person over here uh, that I know is battling suicidal thoughts. Oh, my person over here, mental health issues. Oh, my teenagers are walking through this identity issue. And, And so you go around the room. as a pastor, like as the shepherd, like I hurt. My wife and I, we, we did prayer and then we jumped in the car and Lord sent us <clears throat> on mission to the worst places in, in the world. Uh, we had to go to East Lansing. <clears throat> I need the humor break for a second. But we went out to Lansing and we were picking out one puppy and, uh, <clears throat> But we had this whole day plan. It was sunny and it was nice out. And, and, and it's, it's like, it was like hard to get in the mood to go enjoy that. Because, because as the shepherd, the caretaker who loves his people, you, you hear all these requests and you see all of the things that are going on in our world. And it like, because, but at the same time, I find so much joy and being able to say, hey, let's come in together. We're the body being the body. And even though these times like seem crazy and it's heavy and it's hard and it affects you and it sticks to you, we have the promise that he will never leave us or forsake us and he's with us till the end. Can I get an amen? So all we got to do is run to the Father first. Presence-driven, presence-driven, presence-driven. You're actually not called to figure it all out. That's not our job. It feels that way. How, how am I going to fix all this? How am I gonna do this? I'm going to run to the Father. I lay it at the feet of the cross because the most powerful words have already been spoken, which is all of it is already finished. He was here and he's here and he's working up there too. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for how you love us and lead us. Lord, we ask that you help us live this out in the most important and serious way. Lord, let us truly own it at our core with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our soul. We want to love you and pursue you. 
In Jesus' name, amen.